action feeds into Pat and yes, touchdown to Greg Olsen. Wilson just got it away. There's Keith Lee. Touchdown, Carolina. Hello, welcome to the Keep Sounding Podcast. This is your bi-week Carolina Panthers edition. This is Brian, joined by John as always. John, how you been doing this NFL season? Oh, the NFL season part of things is just fantastic. It's great. Yeah, it's really good. Especially when the team we're here to talk about is 0-6. Not something I expected yeah, after the offseason. No, probably not as good as people thought. I think Steve Smith said the Panthers are going to be in the playoffs. I mean, they still could be. <laughs> they still eliminated, could be. Eliminated yet. Um, but yeah, it hasn't gone well. I think, I mean, we'll get into this, but I think it's probably been, it's been less bad than it's felt, but yeah, it's felt pretty bad. It's, it's just one of those things where you went in being a little excited about the fact that the Panthers had their new franchise quarterback. Well, that's to be determined, I guess. But, you know, after the last three years of just utter misery for the most part. Yeah. Um, so they had that. They had their superstar coaching staff and they proceeded to win less games than anyone over the last three years in the first six games. It's just I just it's not fun. As long as the Panthers get out of being the top pick, I'll be mm-hmm. OK. Because yeah. that will be really bad to have like to give up the farm to move up to get Bryce Young, only to be bad enough the next year to get the number one pick on our own, miss out on a better quarterback prospect. No offense, Bryce, and uh, not have the pick. Yeah, I agree. Like even if they give him like a top five pick, like let's say four or five, I'd be like, ah, oh, whatever. You know, I mean, right. like. <clears throat> That's the whole thing. It was it was a gamble, and we knew it going in. But they kind of sold us on the fact that, oh, Bryce Young is as pro ready as can be for a, a rookie quarterback, and then all yeah. of a sudden, he looks like a rookie. Which, you know, if you had a first round pick next year, it doesn't look as bad, but it looks real bad right now. It also doesn't um, help him that uh, C.J. Stroud has been so good, and then Anthony Richardson's been pretty good when he's not getting hurt. So. Uh, yeah, it is kind of ironic that the biggest draw against Bryce Young was the fact that he's so small and the injury concerns and that Anthony Richardson has gotten hurt in every game he's played and yeah. is now out for the season. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he's he, he the, the the shelf life of the running quarterback. He is like putting it to the test very quickly because because normally what the, the argument always is, is like, oh, running quarterbacks, they can't take they can't stand up to the hits and all that stuff. And then usually the counter to that is like, well. They don't tend to get hurt when they're running. It's usually in the pocket where the injuries happen. But all three times that Anthony Richardson has been hurt have been while he's running. So not not been a yeah. good start on that front. Yeah, it's just a reminder that a quarterback like Cam Newton is just an entirely different animal. And yeah. Josh Allen is in the same where they're built like linebackers. And Richardson's not a small guy by any means, but he's not built like Cam. So it's, it's like... Just... Just, I think he's just, I mean, it's just unlucky too. Like he just like banged yeah. his knee the first time he landed on his head the second time. And then a really awkward fall the third, like, I don't yeah. think there's anything that would be like, Oh, he's going to keep, just keep coming back and keep getting hurt. Like could, he could come back and not get hurt for six years, but that's the hope. I mean, that's actually a good point that we can transition into the next part of the show is injuries are just very unpredictable. Right. Um, the Panthers' defense was supposed to be kind of like their the thing they could rest their laurels on. Like, you know, they returned almost all of their starters from last year, and all of them are getting hurt. They basically have their own <laughs> medical wing in the Charlotte Hospital for them at this point. <laughs> right, and it's all like – and it feels like it's very – it's like hitting position groups like really hard and other ones not as much, which is probably worse because it's not like, oh, we're just kind of like scraping off the top, but we're still like – you know, near the top of the depth chart. It's like, like the safeties. It's just like, we're just the entire safety group is just practice squad players at this point. Yeah. Yeah. That was unfortunate timing. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough when the dolphins are the the team on the schedule. Yeah. Yeah. That was that when I read that on 
over the or over last week when I saw the both starting safeties were going to be out. Dante Jackson was returning from an injury, and it's just like, oh, this is not going to be good. And <laughs> sure enough, it was not good. No, um, <laughs> it was very not good. Yeah. Just looking at the defense right now, um, Marquise Haynes is still on IR, J.C. Horn on IR, which I've just ceded any kind of argument that he's not <laughs> injury prone at this point. I've given up. It's, yeah, I don't think you can fight that right now. No, there's there's no fighting it because that was just a hamstring injury that apparently put him out for enough weeks to be put on IR. Then Shaq Thompson got knocked out for what I believe is the entire season. Yeah. Um, Frankie Louvu had has been battling injuries like crazy, so that never helps when you're even when he's playing, it's not going to help him. Then obviously Dante Jackson's been on been on and off the injury report constantly, uh, and then even this week we found out that Jeremy Chin's going to be out for several weeks as well. So. Yay. Brian Burns and Derek uh, Derek Brown were both questionable going into the game against the Dolphins. Um, like yeah, they, they both they both were. I mean, Brian Burns practiced fully on Friday, but like neither practiced on Thursday, and Brown was limited all week. So like they maybe weren't like in doubt of missing the game, but they're also like banged up. So it's like yeah, yeah. At, at, like and the Panthers' defense was already not the most. That that was a big concern going in was just the fact that their defense was so thin at the depth right. positions, and so the worst case scenario happened. And now they have all these corners who, aside from C.J. Henderson, which even then I would call him maybe a practice squad player, depending on <laughs> who you talk yeah. to at this point, um, are all playing significant snaps. I mean, right now, looking at the Panthers' depth chart, they have C.J. Henderson, Jackson. Troy Hill and Deshaun Jameson as their four corners. So that already looks like a very, very thin unit. So hasn't been good. No, the one um, thing that kind of there, like the silver lining, if you could call it that, in those situations, is like guys get a chance, and like since the season's not really going anywhere, um, it, it's like oh maybe somebody will pop off, and like Deshaun Jameson's been better than expected not like great but like oh there's there's a guy here that can stick around for a while as a depth like corner piece yeah i would agree i actually really like chory hill for what for what he's being brought in to do to deal with as well he was just some veteran they picked up off the streets where he was kind of no name for the most part i mean he's he played significant time with the rams but yeah i mean they're getting as much as they can out of what they have and yeah Hill's been good. I just like he's. I didn't realize like when I when I first when he first kind of like you know when we first signed him because I didn't recognize his name and then it was like oh he's thirty two and he's been in the league for eight years like oh no idea this guy existed. He's been better. He's also been good, but like yeah, just just kind of like he like like to my point earlier, he's not like a long term like oh this guy'll stick around for a while because he's he probably will fall off a cliff at any point. Right, right. No, I mean. The fact that they have so many injuries they're dealing with in the secondary compound and even just all over the place compounded with the fact that the pass rush just hasn't really shown up consistently either has been bad. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's definitely led to the offense having to do more. And this is just not an offense that's built to consistently score points <laughs> like they. I feel like the Dolphins game, for example, would have been winnable if the offense was not trying to figure things out yeah. still because well, they just needed, they, they came up with a 14 point lead at that point. You know, if you score two or three more times, you can kind of keep pace with the dolphins, but they, they can't cause you know, yeah. that's also, and that'll, that's something that I'm curious about going forward. Um, and we'll talk about it more with offense. I get, well, I guess we can, is like, and it's been the trend seemingly every game, and I don't have like the stats to like back it up right now, but I'm sure I, I feel pretty confident that they would say this. The Panthers feel like they get progressively worse offensively as the game goes on. I would 100% agree with that. Um, I think they always have like a decent game plan coming out going for going to start the game, mm-hmm. um, and then it just kind of falls apart. And I I know that a lot of that has to do with just. Defenses are scheming against their offense, which Bryce Young can't. Bryce Young is a rookie, regardless of where you think he at. He is mentally, he is a rookie, and I've seen a number of times where the defense just called a better play, and a bad thing happens. Like yeah. later on in games, um, 
it obviously doesn't help that their offensive line is so battered on the interior. Um, but yeah, no, I would 100% agree that they kind of just start to fall off a cliff. And part of that has also been going away from the running game for whatever reason through like as games progress. I don't know why they do that. Um, Probably just because they're behind. And that's just well, like not even that. Like there were a lot of close games uh, throughout the early parts of the season where it just seemed like they started throwing the ball more. And I know part of that has to do with when defenses limit your rushing attack where you have like second and nine or like third and seven after you've run the ball. So that, that obviously plays into it as well. But overall, I see things that make me optimistic about the offense. Like every now, like every game, Bryce Young has like a couple throws where I'm like, damn, that was a really good throw. Yeah. Um, but then there's those throws where he anticipates the right throw, but doesn't throw it right or just makes a horrible read because he didn't see whatever. And that's all rookie quarterback stuff that we should have been ready for. But the coaches told us that we shouldn't have to worry about that. Yeah, I think, like I said, like CJ Stroud doing the numbers he is. And I think I think we forget kind of how <clears throat> what like a normal rookie quarterback looks like. Like like we were just talking about, like the like two has been killing it for the Dolphins and he was like very similar as a rookie to what Bryce Young is like very low yards per attempt, like not really pushing the ball down the field, like very kind of like dink and dunky type of stuff. And then he's turned into a really good quarterback. Trevor Lawrence was the same way. Trevor Lawrence was like supposed to be like the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. And he completed less than 60% of his passes and averaged and had more interceptions and touchdowns as a rookie. Like it's, it's not like damning by any means for a rookie quarterback to come out and like be a rookie quarterback. Um, And which is what Bryce has looked like. He's like, he's looked like a rookie quarterback. He hasn't looked bad. He doesn't look terrible, in a sense. You know what I mean? Like you said, he makes good throws. Like, the ball placement's really good. He had some mistakes, especially early. But, like, he's – he's you can see him, like, learning as the season's gone on. And he's been steadily improving, it feels like, um, as the season has gone on. So, like, I don't know if it's ready – it's time to, like, write him off yet. And, to be fair, uh, the, the schedule the Panthers have played has been, like – not brutal easiest yeah yeah especially no, from I mean, the offensive fit. side of the ball like like the 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 saints the first like the saints vikings and uh falcons aren't like good teams but they all have good defenses well the vikings isn't the best but um they've been better <laughs> you know what i mean and then like the lions have a good defense and then the dolphins are the dolphins so like this next coming it's like chunk of the schedule all of a sudden maybe things look a lot different after the bye week. Which will yeah, definitely I mean, be attributed to the coordinator change, not like the schedule, but that's a whole other thing. Yeah, no, I mean, the Panthers played against a bunch of... Uh, uh, the first two games of the season were just against pretty good defenses and with a rookie quarterback, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. The Vikings game, I feel like that was just a matter of that they were matched up against a team that was going to be able to score points regardless, and obviously the defense factors into that too. And then... Dolphins, Lions, just horrible stretch there. Yeah. I mean, let's be real. Um, yeah, that's like a possible Super Bowl matchup there. Yeah, you you can't you can't expect an offense that's kind of trying to find its way to keep up with those got those teams and those teams have scored a lot of points on a lot of very good defenses as well over the last couple seasons. So I'm optimistic going into the going after the bye week just because they're going to face they're going to be in situations where it's going to be a little more defensive football where now the like the scoring 21 points is going to be kind of where the sweet spot is to win. I feel like um, where against the dolphins and the lions, you had to score a hell of a lot more than that to even come close. So, you know, yeah, it, it, yeah, they have, they have more of a shot, I think. And, and it'll get better, yeah. I think. And then uh, I touched on this before the, the show um, as bad as I think we, it feels like, and it, it's just the offense has been like below average. It hasn't been mm-hmm. like horrific. And what's weird about it, if you read my, if you read the uh, offensive like review, um, it it's we're like the Panthers are like uh 
middle of the pack in like first downs and like third down conversion percentage and stuff. So like they're moving the ball and they're picking up first downs. They've just been picking up small yard. They're not picking up chunk plays. So it's like yeah. it's like if the big plays ever come around, um, then the offense will look better. But like because they have like the little things down, it's just they're not hitting anything big, which is partly a personnel problem. It is, but it's also an execution problem, and I agree. It's when you look at it when you look at it that way. Um, the fact that they've had so many first downs, it just means that the fact that they can't hit the big play, they're you can't really expect an offense to consistently score points when they right. have to get like five to six first downs just to yeah. get into scoring range. It's like you need those twenty to twenty-five yard plays. Yeah. You need those long, those deep passes occasionally, just to give the offense a chance. It's so. They're, I they're, agree. They actually have, and they're actually pretty close. I almost put this in instead. They're they're like middle of the pack in first downs per play, as well. Yeah. Like a little bit lower. So it's not like it's just like they're picking up a bunch of first downs like on third down and they're picking up first downs, but it's like they're picking up seven yards and then three yards and then four yards and then six yards. And then it's just like, which is like you said, it's not sustainable despite the fact that for some reason we always get super excited about teams going on like 16 play drives. Um, it's that not can't happen a... four times a game. <clears throat> no. And yeah, it's not a sustainable way to run an offense. Um, despite what Mike McCarthy would like us to believe. Um, so it, 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 I don't know. It's, it's, I, Bryce Young needs to open it up, but I also think they need to let him open it up. And then I just think part of it is just like his best big play threat is DJ Shark, which is not who you want your best big play threat to be long term. No, I mean, I could very much see a resurgence from Bryce Young similar to Tua if they were able to get someone like Tyreek Hill, for example, for him the next right. no, they're not going to get him next year because they don't really have the capital, but like three yeah. years, like two years out, three years out, you could see him doing a lot better because he excelled at Alabama with some solid wide receivers. Now, granted, his last season in Alabama wasn't as strong, but as far as his, his supporting cast, and he was still fine. Um, yeah, but that's kind but of yeah, how over- it is. You, like, most quarterbacks don't really like you need people to throw to like Josh Norris on, on Twitter. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with him because he's one of the few kind of like Panthers fans in national media. Hmm. Uh, he's been kind of like doing this sort of like mini campaign. Uh, and he posted a couple things where after the young, the touchdown that he threw to Adam Thielen, which was a really good throw. Um, he's like, imagine if Bryce Young has three players as good as 33 year old Adam Thielen. Like, yeah, I mean, it's hard for me because I did see players flashing open. Like, Mingo was open several times in the Dolphins game. And uh, Hayden Hurst was open on that one real long, that one, like, deep throw he made. But he kind of threw it a little too early, so it wasn't set up to yeah. succeed. So, it's certainly not just the offensive weapons because there are times that they are open. But it's one of those mm-hmm. things where... They're not that good to the point where they can make his job extremely easy, like it, ha- like yeah. we see across the NFL. Right. Um, yeah, it's just they're like, it's like not a bad receiving core for maybe like a more veteran, you know, uh, veteran quarterback. Like, that's like Andy Dalton. To, yeah. By the way, you know who's a free agent? The free agent wide receiver class 2024 is bad. Um, without knowing who's like a possible cut. But you know who is in that class? Uh, future, um, future superstar Curtis Samuel. Oh, great! We can get him back so that they can continue to not hit him with the ball. Under- yeah. yeah, he's wonderful. Just, yeah. yeah, remember he's <laughs> he's really really good. He's star receiver and waiting. I mean he he'd be fine. He'd be fine on a team with like a Patrick Mahomes. I think you'd have a. <laughs> I think you'd have yourself a thousand yard receiver there, John. Sure. Pretty easily at that. <laughs> yeah, with his 700 yards last year. Mm-hmm. That's only 300 <laughs> yards away, buddy. That's like two <laughs> games worth with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know who who like what the cap market is, especially because wide receivers seem right. to be getting increasingly more valuable. Where like it's less likely to find 
a good receiver on the market for like a cap casualty thing. But yeah, I see. I feel like that's like you said, and hopefully Mingo gets better. I think Mingo will get better. I know Bryce has missed him a few times. I think also Mingo hasn't done a great job of like earning trust to this point. He's kind of struggled with anything remotely contested, but hopefully that'll that'll also improve as the season goes on. Yeah, I mean, you know, we saw DJ Moore in his first, in his rookie year, and I kind of feel like they're a little bit more similar. Like, Moore wasn't the best route runner coming out of college. He was just yeah. kind of a guy who could run with the ball. Not saying they're even remotely on the same plane, because I know DJ Moore is an easy wide receiver one on a good offense, but they kind of have that same skill set, and DJ Moore was someone where he kind of refined things as he was going on in his career. Mm-hmm. So I'm willing to give him time. Um And yeah, as far as the free agent market, uh, interesting that you brought that up. So Adam Thielen was one that a lot of people bitched about how much the Panthers paid him. But (laughs) yeah, that turned out to be like a steal. That turned out to be a steal in all facets of of things. I mean, he's like the wide receiver three or four in fantasy as well right now. Right. (laughs) um, In PPR leagues. But it's funny because DJ Chark was the guy that everybody thought was the steal because the Panthers only paying him five million. The Dolphins or not the Dolphins. The Lions fans were sad to let him go and he's been replaceable level as far as his production at this point yeah so it's kind of funny how that works um looking looking at the free agent market so maybe that means carolina just needs to give the next wide receiver a three-year contract who's coming off of being cut from his uh sign like odell beckham or something just go for the like old, old guy that used to be really good and hasn't been good like hasn't been productive for a few years and just see if they suddenly just like pop off again yeah like adam thielen Take... last had a thousand yards also people might be surprised that adam thielen's only been a thousand yard receiver twice um he's always been a touchdown guy yeah but, but yeah uh, but uh he's on pace for like 1300 yards this year i think yeah and on so, a bad like, offense yeah, yeah. So that's, that should just be the thing is like find a guy that used to be really productive and just like hasn't been. Maybe maybe they'll find it again. Yeah, I agree. We'll see, though. But speaking of that, um, talking about potential uh, offseason acquisitions, what do you think about potential trades for the Panthers at this point? Um, I don't know. It feels like I guess like it kind of makes sense, but like it also as a fan, I'm gun shy and I would be, wouldn't be surprised if the team is too. Cause it feels like they're kind of just like turning their wheels to end it, to not go anywhere. Right. Like the Panthers, like they unloaded Christian McCaffrey for draft picks. Cause they didn't, you know, get off the salary and running back is not mattering and stuff. And then Christian McCaffrey has been like an MVP and then, you know, moving DJ Moore to move up to get Bryce young. And now it's like, well, you know what we could really use right now is DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey. So now we're like hunting for their replacements. <laughs> we're just like using the draft capital that we've acquired to try to like hunt for their replacements. And I feel like that's just kind of the next step again, right? It's like now we're now we're gonna like trade Brian Burns or what we not Jeremy Chin anymore because he's hurt. I don't think anybody's gonna want that. But we're gonna like trade Brian Burns or something to try to like replenish some of the draft capital we gave up to get Bryce Young. And then we're gonna be having this conversation in a few weeks of like, man, we really need a pass rusher. And then in like, and I know, it, you know, I know it resets the, the, the salary and stuff, but it just, it just feels like they need to just kind of eat it and, and build from what, what they have. Cause they have this, the money to keep Brian Burns around. It's not like him being re-signing him is prohibitive and he's very young still. So. Uh, if they had a first round pick next year, I would probably be on board more so on board with trading Brian Burns, but at the same time, I really think he's the only tradable asset they had, that they should look at because yeah. Frankie Luvu, like, I don't give a shit what anyone says. Like, Frankie Luvu is a very good linebacker, and they should keep him around, especially since right. Shaq Thompson's at the on the last legs of his career. He can double as a pass rusher when needed. Offensive line is where I see other tradable assets. And it's like, okay, are you going to get rid of Ike Mokwanu after trading him at after drafting him sixth overall last season? Are you going to trade Bradley Bozeman after you just gave him a big contract? Like Austin Corbett also has a bigger contract. <clears throat> Taylor, like at 
at some point, pretty much every player they can trade on the offense, aside from like Miles Sanders, and I don't think you can get anything for him, um, is going to be a detriment to their future. But Brian Burns yeah. is someone where I could see them making that trade if they can get what they want, only because Brian Burns seems real fed up with the Panthers right now. <laughs> and I don't know if I don't know about you, but I can kind of see it reflected in his play. And I also know that he's getting chipped a lot at times. Not not every game, like the Vikings shut him down quite a bit, and that was really just offensive tackle doing a good job against him. But Burns just seems frustrated, and his heart doesn't necessarily seem in it. So I could see them pulling the trigger on trading him just because of that, because I don't think he's he's in for a rebuild anymore. Yeah, I think I feel like they it just you have to make the asking price high. I think you have to try to get like multiple firsts or like a first and a second or something like that. Yeah, um, that would be yeah a first and a second would I would be okay with um, next in next year's draft. If it's twenty twenty five, then I'd want that first and maybe like twenty twenty six first as well. Yeah, kind of re- replicate the Rams trade, but yeah, it's I don't know. It's tough to say because they, they have so many – because like you were saying, they traded away CMC and DJ Moore, and now they are clearly seeing what happens when you trade away your your great offensive players for a rookie quarterback. So Yeah. Yeah, we – I don't know. The, the joke that I've had with, like, my, my, my friends and family watching Panthers games, especially when, like, <clears throat> like seeing the other stuff going on around the league is, like, like Christian McCaffrey scores for the 15th straight games. Like, boy, it'd be nice to have that guy on your team. And then like DJ Moore scores is <laughs> like, man, could you imagine being on a team with DJ with both of those guys? That'd be crazy. That offense would be yeah. so good. It's like, that would never happen though. And that's been like kind of our running joke as the season has, has gone on. Cause anytime any of those two go do something well, it's like, boy, I wish we could have a guy like that. Yeah. I own both of them in fantasy. So DJ nice. Moore's like 50 point, fantasy week was was cathartic only in the sense that i told a bunch of people i was like you can get dj Moore at a very good value and i guarantee he'll be like a wide receiver too easily and first few weeks he didn't really show me that and then that 50 point game i was like i was right and it was oh wait but he used to play for us yeah (laughs) on national tv so everybody could see it happen too he's like oh dang that guy is good Um, yeah yeah but i don't know Uh, by the way i forgot to we, we didn't talk about him austin corbett coming back after the bye week should help the offense a lot too. If assuming he's anything like he was pre-injury. Yeah. And it'll help just because they won't have this revolving door at guard because they just can't seem to figure that out between Chandler Zavala and his neck injury that kept them out. Uh, I believe it kept them out on Sunday. Um, now they have, and then Calvin Throckmorton, who was supposed to be like their third or fourth option at guard are all starting. Yeah. Like, I've seen a bunch of film play of uh, film stuff on Twitter where Iquanu got beat, but at the same time the guard just looked completely lost. Didn't didn't drop enough depth so that Iquanu wouldn't get beat inside. Like you know, yeah, just a whole lot of that that whole O line like acclimation things. thing. Yeah. We actually got lucky last year because the Panthers really only had to switch out their center, um, and Bradley Bozeman was good. But now it's like okay, well when that starting five, which one of the selling points on this offensive line, we didn't have Corbett to start the year. And then Brady Christensen was out after one week. So that just kind of blew up that one big selling point of rookie quarterback behind an offensive line that knows what everybody else is doing. So that's what, that's where we're like almost back to that line now where, yeah, like I said, if Corbett's, if Corbett's back to what he was, that's good. And then, Rockmorton's been like decent, a lot so. more solid than I would have expected. Considering I when I was looking at like the the PFF grades and stuff of his coming in, that he looked awful. So yeah, so if he's if he's like a solid, decent, and we have you know Icky, who's been I feel like playing himself into a better better form than than he started with. I think there the line has a chance to at least kind of like become somewhat of a like you know a passable unit like closer to what we saw last year. It'll help a lot more if they run the fucking ball behind him more often. Like they did that first quarter against the Dolphins. Um then they just kind of stopped. Depends on who it is. Miles Chuba has been the often maligned Chuba Hubbard has been m- much better than Miles Sanders. 
Well, I've said this, I don't know if I've said it on CSR yet, but Chuba does what's what this kind of offense needs better than Miles Sanders. Like Sanders came from an offensive line that was super elite. They had tons of depth. So he could do the whole like dancing around, find the hole, get a big gain where like this yeah. current state of the offensive line, which may change with Corbett coming back, but the current state of the offensive line is they need a guy who will pick a lane and go just run, run himself into the yeah. ground for like three yards, four yards, five yards. That's what they need. And Chuba yeah. does that extremely well. Miles Sanders does not do that well, at least based it, on what I've seen. It feels like Chuba is a guy that like, if you put him behind the best offensive line in football, he will run for like five or like not, he will run for six to seven to eight yards on a good run. If he gets, if he finds a hole. And then if you put him behind a bad offensive line, he will run for like six or seven or eight yards through whatever hole. And he's just kind of the same guy. Cause it's like you said, he's kind of what he does. He just picks a spot and he runs really hard. And then he just like runs as fast as he can until someone trips him <clears throat> where Miles Sanders feels like, his success is more variable based on the blocking to your point, right? Where he can like be, he's like, he's shiftier and he's a little more elusive. And if you get, if you get him space, he can make more out of it, but he's not getting space. So he's not as effective as Chuba. Who's just going to run like just bash his head against the wall and pick up a few yards, no matter what. Yeah. Now Chuba's stubborn Chuba Hubbard's style is very much to, just fucking like, run straight and pick a spot. That's that's, yeah, that's kind of like, bad offensive line, right? Like, yeah, you'll just they don't have to. They don't forward. have to. Yeah, they don't have to to run block for as long. There's less variability. It's just the only thing. The only thing is that I wish he was a little bigger because then he'd be better for those fourth and one, like yeah. those those short situations. Because he's he he's still small enough that he can get stacked up if the. Yeah. Run blocking isn't great, but other than that, no. I mean, if they could get anything for Miles Sanders at this point, I would trade him to a playoff team and just roll with Chuba Hubbard, Raheem Blackshear, um, Lavisca Chenault, and you know somebody from their practice squad as their running backs, and just kind of go from there and just establish more of a power rushing attack. Because as we saw late last year, that's what this offensive line excels <laughs> at blocking. Yeah, I don't know. They try to be too too damn smart for their own damn good sometimes. <clears throat> um, but yeah, overall, offense is definitely what's the most disappointing about the Panthers. I mean, the Panthers' defense sucks and the injuries suck, but there's that's one of those things where it's just a it's just a fact of life. You know, you you sometimes get destroyed by injuries and bad things happen. So, but. I think the next section of our podcast, we can talk about the transition from Frank Reich calling plays to uh, Thomas Brown and maybe our thoughts on the coaching staff and what the future looks like going forward. John, I don't know what you think about that. Works, works for me. Frank Reich was originally going to play the, or excuse me, call the plays for what he called the foreseeable future. He didn't really put a timeline on it, but oddly right after the Dolphins game where the Panthers offense pretty much sputtered out after their initial 14 point onslaught in the first quarter. Now Thomas Brown's calling plays. What are your thoughts, John? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think I, I don't have like super strong thoughts. I think like he's, he's, he's been the offensive coordinator. I don't think like this, he's just been like sitting and watching while Frank Reich does all the work. Um, so it's not like, I don't think he's going to be drastically different in terms of like a schematic like scheme perspective i think anything will just be more changes in situational play calls and stuff like i'm thinking we're gonna start seeing a bunch of creative like crazy different things happening um i also don't think this is like is as reactionary as we might think because like that is this has been the plan right like maybe not i don't know if there's ever a timeline given for it but like Thomas Brown was always going to call the plays at some point. Like I, he even like in an interview with NFL network earlier this year, they talked to him about whenever you do take over play calling, whether that be this year or after the season or whatever, how do you like, you know, what's your approach to it and stuff like that. So I don't think this is any like desperation, like, Oh, we, we need a spark. Let's try this. You know, I think it was always a plan and it's a good time to do it since, you know, the season's kind of gotten away from the Panthers already anyway. So if it was always a plan to give Thomas Brown the play calling duties, like there's no reason to really wait. So I don't know. it just, it's kind of an, it's, it's not anything crazy to me. 
Yeah, I would kind of agree. I mean, it's the bye weeks. So they'll have the extra two weeks to kind of uh, get with the program as far as him calling plays. I do almost think it might have been reactionary only in the sense that I know that David Tepper has been having meetings with Frank Reich pretty much after yeah. every game. So that might have been the time where he pushed for Thomas Brown, though. That's that was the whole objective was to get the uh, the, uh, the hot shot young offensive play caller that can change things up. But Thomas Brown did build the playbook. Um, obviously, as you said, this was the plan at some point going forward. My only hope is that we see a lot less procedural issues, which happened a lot right. with Frank Reich between between the play calls not getting out to to Bryce Young fast enough or the huddle not getting ready for the snap fast enough. That might be a combination of Bryce Young and uh, Frank Reich's issues. But forgetting got for, well, he didn't outright say he forgot about him. But Terrace Marshall coming off like a nine reception game, not getting any snaps against the. Um, the the lions it's like you know maybe it was just time to pass it off and let let the young guy who this yeah. is what he's trying to build his career on do where and frank reich is go ahead there's also like the thing of like he called a play with the expectation that it would go to adam Thielen and adam Thielen wasn't even was like out hurt and uh he didn't realize that Thielen was like had left the game yeah stuff like that yeah Speaking yeah, Marshall, did he play? Did he get on the field at all against the Dolphins? He did. He he dropped. He dropped a very crucial uh, first. Well, not crucial, but a, a pretty big third down. What would have been a first down pass? Oh, against yeah, he the got targeted three times. I just like, did not even notice him. Yeah. No, I mean, my hope is that when Thomas Brown comes in to start calling the plays, that maybe they spread the ball around a little more. Even though that'll hurt my fantasy team quite a bit. <laughs> Um, just because I think, Thiel- I think Panthers fans will be okay. Your fantasy yeah. Team. Yeah. I mean, Thielen's fine. Thielen's great. He's a lot more than I, he's done a lot more than I would have expected, but they really do need to spread the ball around a lot more. And the timing issues, I'm not sure if that's a Bryce young thing or if that's an offensive coordinator thing, but regardless, there've been a number of times where like even in the dolphins game, for example, and JTO Sullivan on his quarterback school, YouTube, channel brought up a really good point that Bryce Young got hit real early in the in that game and yeah. a lot of it was dramatic things like the offensive guard not dropping back far enough or there was the one play where it was uh they had like two or three wide receivers on the right side towards the end zone mm. Dolphin comes off the edge on the at cornerback and just blows up Bryce Young no one was there to block him so hopefully that kind of stuff gets cleaned up a little bit with a new offensive play caller though I guess we'll see. Yeah, I don't know. That see, like that stuff kind of feels like preparation stuff more than yeah. play calling, which that shouldn't. I don't think the preparation changes at all. So, yeah, I don't like. I don't think I don't really anticipate. Like, I think people will point things out that they find are different now that they're looking for it. But I feel like if they just like did this quietly, and I mean they didn't announce it, like yeah, reported, but like. Well, no, the, the team also wrote a big article about it. But if if this wasn't, like, pointed out publicly, I have a feeling no one would, like, suspect anything was different. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, I think there's too much. I think it's just going to be very, very, very subtly different. No, I mean, it's, it's really just a, a situation of somebody needed to dive on their sword because Panthers yeah. fans are mad, and rightfully so. Um because they were fed the idea that this offense would be good and that they might be contending for the NFC South. And now they're own six and things have to turn, turn around very quickly for them. Right. So it might, it's, it's funny too, because looking at their schedule going forward, you know, if they come out and all of a sudden win some games, score like 24 points or so, people are going to say, Oh, look at this hot shot, new offensive coordinator. Right. Well, they're playing, they're playing the Texans who picked second overall last year. Uh, they're playing the Colts following that, who are mi- going to be missing their starting quarterback. Granted, Gardner Flint Minshew II will be playing for them most <laughs> likely, so that may not change. Then they're playing the Chicago Bears, who have Justin Fields hurt, and their offense hasn't been great aside from that one game against the Bears. So they have a three-week stretch where all of a sudden it might look like this guy is really the new hot-shot offensive yeah. coordinator, the young guy that everyone's been clamoring for. Yeah, that was what I alluded to earlier. It was like, yeah, they're gonna 
like the schedule gets significantly easier all like for the offense and then you know it happens to coincide with the new play caller so it'll be impossible to like separate what how much of it is a result of like better play calling and how much of it is a result of just like the defenses that are calling plays against are easier yeah i mean the only thing i can really look at is the procedural stuff if they stop yeah. having to call timeouts for delay of games if they stop having these weird personnel issues yeah um then at that point you can probably attribute that to thomas brown but other than that i mean we all one thing that's not really being discussed either is that yeah frank reich did assemble a fucking all-star coaching staff but they also really most of these guys never really coached together either so right there's yeah. an acclimation period there as well um I don't know. It's I just want to come out of the bye week, see the Panthers beat the Texans and just move on with my life. Right. Yeah. You know, like Let's get off the tonight. <laughs> Let's just yeah. have have something to be happy about. Yeah, go in on a Monday and not be angry that the Panthers lost in horrifying fashion, which has been yeah. our reality for the last few weeks. So Like I said, like as uh, watching the recaps or writing the recaps, it's like I feel like I'm writing the same thing every every week like yeah, there's offense. Pretty good start moving the ball. Maybe we had to kick a field goal because it couldn't punch it in the end zone. But, you know, it's good encouraging signs to start. And then it's like fourth quarter offense just punted for the fourth possession in a row. And the game is just unraveling. Like, yeah, it's it's that's been the 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 script pretty much every week. And it sucks, too, because I, I like that uh, the aggression I've seen at times on like fourth and short. Yeah, it just doesn't ever really seem to work out for them, <laughs> whether right. they actually do get it. And then just throw a pick or end up getting sacked out of field goal range and then it doesn't end up mattering. Like, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like uh I said I said it in our like Slack channel. Um I like the the first time when we settled for the field goal at the end of the first half against the Dolphins. And it was just like I love I love the I love when you play it safe, you take the easy safe route and then the safe route fails. Like Yeah. Really really makes the decision to be conservative look really bad. Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't fun. That was kind of what turned the tide, right. <laughs> unfortunately, in that Dolphins game. Because it's like, so, all right, cool, kick a field goal to go to make it what twenty-one seventeen. Like the Dolphins are still going to keep scoring touchdowns. Like that field goal is going to be inconsequential. Um, yeah. And then and then the Panthers missed it, which is just like demoralizing and like, uh, didn't didn't need that. Awful. But I do I do appreciate that they like they did the fake punt and then the other fourth and basically they got a redo they got like a fourth and short like the exact same spot they tried they went for that time and failed that as well but still i do like yeah the ideas yeah no there are some solid ideas there so i guess we'll see but any chance that you see frank reich being fired this year if they uh continue on this uh downward slope somehow coming out of the bye week not during the season yeah, that's what you mean. You think you might get fired after the season? I think it's unlikely, but it wouldn't. Okay. It wouldn't be like. I wouldn't be like if if things continue this way. I wouldn't be like I wouldn't like protest the decision. I wouldn't necessarily no. call for it, but I'd be like, you know, uh, I get it. But I don't think like it's not so such a disaster. Like the the in season, like we I mean we've seen it twice. Last what two two years in a row, right? Where a first year coach got fired before the end of the year. Yeah. Um. But though both of those situations were just like disasters, like from a not only from like a on field, like both on and off the field thing. And that's I don't think that's going to be a problem here. No, I mean if they can manage to win, let's just say two or three of their next five games, then I think that Frank Reich is safe. Yeah. Um, it. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me to blow up the coaching staff after one year where you traded up for a rookie quarterback and your offense was kind of just thrown together right. pieces for for his uh for his weapons. So yeah, I kind of agree there. I just see some some movement as far as like talk that they should fire Frank Reich and move on and where I'm like, okay, well, but you have like Ajira Evero who seems good and you have Thomas Brown who's supposed to be that next that next like hot shot offensive coordinator so what do you do then you fire them too it's like right um what about Scott Fitterer what do you think about him going forward um 
I don't know. I, I, I don't also have a super strong opinion on that either. Like super, I'm super boring. Right. But, uh, <laughs> I think he's been fine. I think, I, all right. As dumb as this might sound, um, when I'm like deciding whether or not, like if for me internally, like whether a general manager is good or not, I don't really care how I don't factor in too much, like how good the players are. Cause that's more luck than anything. It's more like the process, the thought process behind things. Right. <clears throat> so like right. the quarterback situation that was bad, but that also was probably more a Matt rule thing. I think we kind of concluded, right. With like the yeah. same Donald Baker Mayfield thing. And then uh but like, you know, and I don't like the trading up, but that's always in the middle rounds and stuff. Excuse me. Um the fact that like like if draft picks aren't hitting and stuff like that, I don't really like hold that against the general manager because like I've done I've looked stuff up before. That stuff is like entirely luck driven. So people will say like you know, it's a failing of their like per, per, uh, player evaluation or whatever, but like for one like they're heavily reliant on scouts and stuff for that, and two, like everyone, like general managers get like you know uh, criticized or maligned or whatever for missing on draft picks, and then we also like to make fun of mock drafts for like not getting them right and also missing on draft picks. So it's just like it turns out everybody sucks at this thing. Like we're all just it's just the ones that are good drafters are just kind of riding a hot streak. Yeah, it's I think the only fault that I have towards Scott Fitterer right now is just that he seems to make these trade ups for the coaches. Yeah, and that's uh, I don't know how good of a strategy that is, especially when you're on a franchise where you're not winning. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, that's yeah. Those coaches may be gone, but a good example, though, is Chuba Hubbard. And they didn't trade up for him, obviously, but fourth round pick. First two years, Panthers fans hated that guy, wanted him gone. And this year, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, well, actually, he may be better than the running back that we just signed in free agency who was supposed to be RB1. Right. It takes time. Like, that's kind of how I feel about DJ Johnson. Like, he, he, and that's the big one that Panthers fans really hate right now is the fact that they traded up for DJ Johnson when they have so many other needs. But he also was a third round rookie. So, right maybe his rookie year isn't the best benchmark to grade him on, especially since, you know, he's getting into, he's getting into the NFL was already a player who kind of was more of a projection anyway, even though based on, even though he's like what, 25 or something like that. Um, So I don't know, give him two years, see what happens. But if the Panthers somehow like end the season where they're like, they have one win, two wins or zero wins, I think Scott Fitterer does get the boot. Oh, yeah. Personally. I mean, yeah. yeah. Again, it, it, they're both kind of in a similar spot where I'm not like I, neither of them, both neither Reich nor Fitterer are, have done anything enough for me to be like to come to their defense if like the team were to decide to fire them. Not that my defense would mean anything, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> internet you points. yelled at by Panthers yeah. fans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I'm like, but that neither of them are a point where I'm like, I'm actively saying like, this is what needs to happen, or this is what I think should happen. Right. So yeah, yeah. hot takes. Maybe in a perfect world, we uh, we fire Frank Reich if things really go off the rails and uh, make Edgero Evero the head coach, and then Luke Keekley just magically shows up and plays <laughs> as the defensive coordinator. I'd I'd like that very much. I don't know about you. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> you seem skeptical about that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Luke Keekley has got any like uh you know a desire to, to come out of football retirement. I mean he's on the radio. No, he doesn't still. he doesn't seem like that. No, he I'm sure he does like whatever football things he does on the side is kinda like just something he does for fun, where if he were to come in as a defensive coordinator, I know knowing him he'd be balls to the wall about it. So Yeah if he actually chose to do it, but yeah, nah, he's, he's, he, he seems just like, and I said this when he retired, like I remember when he retired and I said on the show, like I remember being like surprisingly not surprised 
It's like yeah. shocking, huge, huge news. Panthers linebacker Luke Keekley retires at like 29 years old. And I was like, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. And it was just like, it didn't really like hit me how weird it was given like how good he's all, you know, how good he was and how young he was. But like, my just like, it's the reaction to the news was just kind of like, yeah. Seems like it's about that time. Yeah. So, I, like I said, Andrew Luck, like Andrew Luck's never going to come back and be like an offensive coordinator. Yeah. He's just going to make appearances uh, as Captain Andrew Luck on yeah. podcast. <laughs> I'm sure he and he and uh, Luke Keekley hang out and fish together in secret. That's kind of right. what I expect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then like uh, maybe talk about some football and then be like, oh, yeah, I caught like a little bit of a couple of the games on Sunday. And like, yeah. but it's just very like casual. Yeah. It's very casual, just, you know, but they occasionally like get real nerdy about it yeah. for like five minutes and then they get back to, you know, fishing. So <laughs> they, like casually watch the games for like 30 minutes and then uh, talk about it like in super in-depth, uh, like schematic yeah. conversation about the five minutes that they watched on the TV broadcast. Where no one else would hear them. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, man. But. I think we've pretty much covered everything we can aside from yeah. a projection for the rest of the season. I don't even really want to do that for the record just because I feel nah. like I'm going to just be super wrong regardless. I just kind of want to hope for, you know, like a couple wins would be nice. <laughs> like, I, like I said, as long as the Panthers do not trade the first overall pick to the Bears, I'll be fine. Yeah, I agree. Give them, give them the first pick if they somehow end up with the first overall pick and the fifth pick. You know what? Fine. Does it suck? Yeah, but whatever. So yeah, uh, like second pick, not great, but whatever. But if the first overall pick, Caleb Williams, should have been ours, but it's going to the Bears, I'll be upset. If it's yeah. like the third pick, it sucks to not have the third pick, but at least it's not that situation of like, oh man, we we missed out on the quarterback to get the quarterback that's got us here to this yep. spot to pick another bad one. So, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I think that about wraps it up, John. I don't know if there's anything else you'd like to discuss. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm all ready to go. Well, sounds good. Well, from all of us here at the keep sounding podcast, we'll join you sometime after the bye week to discuss how things are going. Hopefully not as horrifying as they have been, <laughs> but Stay tuned, stay safe, stay healthy. Check us out on CSR for all of your game coverage. We'll talk to you soon. See you.